The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Rachel Miller-Howard. On today's show, we bring you a conversation with Paige Espana, who is the Director of Operations at Animal Aid. The organization is undergoing a shelter remodel, so they'll be able to rescue and adopt up to 25% more animals. Stay tuned at animalaidpdx.org for information about their open house happening this summer. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am Phil Bussey. I'm joined, Director of Operations from Animal Aid, Paige Espana. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. So, Animal Aid uh, helps abused and abandoned animals. Yeah. Is that simple enough? Um, yeah, a little bit. We're a nonprofit shelter, um, and we help uh, cats and dogs. And also we have some programming that helps with vet care and spay and neuter for animals. Okay. Yeah. So you like animals. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start talking about pets in the Portland area. If, if you can help quantify, is that possible? How many dogs, how many cats are estimated to be in Portland? So I don't have those specific numbers, but I can talk a little bit about how many animals are estimated to be in shelters um, nationwide, which would be 6.5 million. Um, and of those, 1.5 million are estimated to be euthanized um, each year. So Portland, of course, um, those numbers are lower in both respects. Um, and Portland's very progressive in that way about animal rescue and animal welfare. Um, but there's still a really big need um, for homeless cats and dogs in our area. Yeah, I, I want to talk about what you what Animal Aid does. But mm-hmm. first I want to talk about how do we get to the point why, why Animal Aid is needed. So maybe this sounds like an overly simple question, but how do how do animals end up abandoned? Sure. So there's a lot of different reasons. Um, two of the biggest ones can be um, the cost of vet care um, when medical needs come up um, and the and also behavior issues that might arise, um, particularly in dogs, for, for both dogs and cats. Um, so sometimes pet guardians can be um, not prepared to take on those costs in, in both respects for behavior care or for medical care. Um, and a lot of those animals then end up in shelters. So so are people actually bringing them to you and just saying, like, I can't deal with this anymore, or are they simply just leaving them at Laurelhurst Park? So when our organization first um, started 50 years ago, um, it was the case that animals were being abandoned in Laurelhurst Park um, and other places around Portland, but that's where So our... I just, I randomly yep. grabbed that park because that's, that's where I take my dog to run now and again. Yeah, so that's part of our history too, is our founder, um, Jack Hurd, he and his wife, Catherine, um, they were started out by rescuing animals that were abandoned in Laurelhurst Park, um, which is near where they lived. Um, and Jack was a radio talk show host, so he, 
um, ended up talking about that with um, on his show, um, and people would call in and also talk about their experiences with that, um, and also just some of the experiences as pet owners that they were having, which was that um, their animals had different needs, particularly vet care needs, um, that they were having a hard time accommodating because that becomes really expensive. Um, So, yeah, that was really definitely a founding point um, for us and for him to really step in, them to really step in and help. I, you know, I don't know how many, uh, how many of the details of that origin story you know, but yeah. I mean, did they just have cats and dogs then running around in their house that, that they brought in? I mean, like that, <laughs> that's did. the image I have in my head. <laughs> they did have many um, cats at one point. I think at, at one point they had twelve that they were housing um, in their home. Um, but thankfully, it was very quick that a network of volunteers came together to help out as well. Um, so those individuals were able to take in some of those pets. Um, They were able to reunite a lot of pets. Sometimes it wasn't abandoned always. It was also lost animals. Um, So that was a huge part of the start of the organization as well. Sure. I mean, I I would especially imagine that 50 years ago before you had, you know, chips implanted and and Mm -hmm. the, the ability to reunite a lost dog with its owner was much trickier. Yeah, actually, one of the tasks that Catherine did was um, she would search through the lost um, ads in the newspaper um, or elsewhere. And that was a lot of the work. She was just finding those connections and reuniting. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and talk to me a little bit more. So 50 years of history. So how does it grow from uh, a, a, a couple near Laurelhurst Park into an organization because I mean you know th- that might be a, a, a hobby for some people for a couple of years and then they move on but they had the decision to institutionalize this. Yeah, I think it was um, a couple different things. It was definitely the passion of um, Jack and Catherine to really take this on. It was very near and dear to their heart. Um, and then they found um, through Jack talking to his um, on his radio show that. There were a lot of people really invested in this, you know, work and wanting to save these animals. And so that volunteer base just kept growing and growing. Um, Eventually, as an organization, um, we were able to become a foster-based organization. And then in 2005, we were able to buy our own shelter, uh, our own building that allowed us to have that space to house animals. Where are you guys located? So we're um, at 5335 Southwest 42nd Avenue. Um, that's right in the, uh, right behind the Multnomah Village area. Okay. Yeah. And and, and uh, your director of operations, yes. what, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean <laughs> that you are uh, getting volunteers to wash the cages, uh, to take dogs for a walk? What, what does director, what does operations mean for a shelter? So for my position, operations, Um, entails a little bit of everything, really, um, but the bigger focus is on sort of the day-to-day operations of the shelter. We have an animal care manager, so he sort of oversees that side of things, but we're obviously in communication all the time. Um, But I oversee our marketing, our development, um, and, yeah, kind of just thinking through what the next stages are for our shelter as well and for our organization. Is your office soundproof? I, I would imagine that it would be a very loud work environment, potentially. I mean, are the administrative offices actually connected to the shelter? They are. But to explain a little bit more, our shelter is a smaller um, shelter. So uh, we only house cats on site. Um, all of our dogs are in foster care. And two reasons for that. One is that it's a free roam cat shelter. Um 
So we want to create as much of a home environment for our animals as we can. Um, so that allows our cats to feel less stressed, to feel more at home, to be more of themselves. Um, and then, you know, that increases their adoptability. Yeah. And, and so I want to keep uh, talking about the, the functions of that. I mean, I think most people are familiar with shelters only that often, as you mentioned, I mean, it's one out of four, one out of five animals, pets that end up in a shelter are euthanized. Mm -hmm. um, but animal aid is is decidedly not that. How, I mean, how does that work? It would seem that at a certain point, how are you able to do that in other shelters or not? So, you know, the whole animal rescue is a huge ecosystem, really. Um, and where we fall into that is that we are a smaller rescue um, and we are a no-kill. Um, so how we get our animals, we don't take um, intakes directly from the public very often and we don't take in strays. Um, that would be the county's position to take in strays. Um, and we partner a lot with the county, uh, with various counties in the area, actually, and other shelters that are larger, too. So where we find our niche is, is that we're able to take in in um, animals that might need a little more time, that might have more medical needs, that might have more behavior needs, um, because we really focus on that individual um, attention and individual kind of um, plan for them, track for them to help them in whatever way they need. I would imagine that part of your job is counseling as well, because I, I a year ago, I, I had, I had a, a, an American bulldog that I love very much. Uh, she was two years old. I also had a, a uh, an oops one-year-old child uh, who I <laughs> loved more, and the two weren't combative compatible mm -hmm. and we you know i was fortunate enough to to post on facebook and find a wonderful couple uh uh mike and mike who already had an older american bulldog and and took in our dog um but the the emotion of that like it was mm -hmm. devastating to give away to rehouse a dog and you know and it was a very much of a, a solemn decision of of need knowing that it needed to be done i would imagine that some of your cases you are dealing with people that are emotionally struggling with this decision yeah we're, we filled every week um lots of different requests um and i think we're really careful on all sides of the adoption process and of pet guardianship. Um, you know, for us, we always say that animals are our clients, so we're really looking out for their needs, and we really want to make sure the matches with um, the adoptions are a good fit and that people are thinking long-term. Um, you know, for cats, it's up to a 20-year commitment um, if you adopt a kitten. Um, dogs also, you know, depending on size, uh, can live 17, up to 17 years. Um, so it's really thinking through with uh, our visitors and our potential adopters uh, what sort of lifestyle they want to have and also helping them to project forward. Um, you know, when they decide to have kids, will they still want an animal at that point? Um, you know, what other factors are involved in their life? Are they gone all day at work, say? Um, and will they want to come home and take their dog for that walk that's really needed? Um, or perhaps in that case, is a cat a better fit? Somebody who's a little um, little less, you know, needy in certain ways, I guess, you know. Um, so it's thinking through all of those things. And yeah, and also counseling people when they make that decision um, and giving them resources, because it is hard. There are so many animals in need. Let's focus a little bit on on uh, fifty year anniversary. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a big number. Yes, we're really excited. <laughs> uh, and and what are you guys doing to celebrate fifty years? 
Um, so we're going to have a whole bunch of different events coming up that are really focused on our 50th. Um, and really just we want to talk about our history and, and how far we've come and um, where we came from, too, because I think the fact that we are so Portland based and, and grassroots really in that way, um, I think that's a great story to share and to remind people about. Um, so we're still kind of putting the final touches on all the different events that we'll have, but definitely want people to stay tuned for announcements about that and some celebrations that we want to have. Now, I would think that animal care, I, how much does animal care change? I mean, how much has it changed over 50 years? I mean, has, has have attitudes about uh, having a, 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 a cat or a dog changed, uh, have availability changed, or is it pretty much the same? No, I think the attitudes have definitely um, changed as people kind of see animals more as, you know, in some cases as their child. They may not actually want to have a human child, and this, this animal is that companion for them. Um, so I think in that respect, that emotional respect, and then also just in thinking through things like vet care. You know, years ago, people would have a cat or a dog and kind of just let them do whatever they did and whatever happened, happened. Um, and now I think people are very more um, conscientious about annual exams um, and about um, addressing any needs that might be coming up or any behaviors that they're seeing too. You know, we we ask a lot of our companion animals, especially dogs in certain ways, um, you know, we, we want them to be able to go wherever with us and adapt to whatever sort of situation. And that's a lot um, in a very urban environment, especially. And, and, and Portland, uh, Portland is a, a good city for, for animals as far as picking up on one thing you just talked about, uh, animals going with us wherever we go. I yeah. mean, it, it, you know, it's, it seems pretty fortunate that most a lot of workplaces uh, you know, certainly some uh, outdoor bars in town, like, allow dogs. Good place to have a pet? Yeah, I mean, I think overall um, there's a lot of different housing options, which is great. I mean, there's still some work, of course, to be done there, especially if you're a renter um, and breed-specific laws. I think there's still work there. Um, but overall, you know, Portland is one of the most pet-friendly cities. Um, so I think that that speaks to a lot. Paige Espania is Director of Operations for Animal Aid. Now, you brought in a an, an old classic. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and that song is? Uh, Stand By Me by Ben King. Uh, any reason for the song? Um, you know, I think it speaks to our organization in the sense that uh, we make that lifelong commitment to the animals that we help. Even post-adoption, we're always there to assist them um, and their pet owners if we need to. Um, so I think it speaks to that. And then also just to the connection that we have with our animals and what it means to just be with them.
just as long as you stand, stand by me. That was Benny King, Stand By Me, of course. Uh, this is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am Phil Bussey. We are talking with Director of Operations for Animal Aid, Paige Espana. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk about where you're coming from. So you worked previously at Literary Arts for I three did. years. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what are the carryovers? I mean, because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different subject matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're both nonprofits. So in that sense, um, kind of that, that nonprofit grind that always happens um, is there and sort of thinking through, you know, what does our budget look like? Um, what do we what's the community we're serving and anticipating all of their needs. Um, so a lot of those things are the same and sort of the building blocks. Um, but obviously the subject matter itself is different. Um, so, yeah, I think in this case, one of the biggest differences is you know, with animals and especially taking care of animals, there's an emotional level to that. Um, and also just this is another being that you're responsible for, you know, um, and that you need to take care of. So that that brings a whole nother element to the work that you do. Um, I, I find that I'm always thinking about it and always thinking about those animals. And um, yeah, it's just a it's a constant part of my life. And, and now part of your job is is uh, development and fundraising. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where I, I would think that uh, that emotional connection that people have to their pets, uh, in part, makes uh, the fundraising easier. Um, in some ways, yes. I mean, I think that there's a lot of different organizations in town that are animal rescues or welfare related. Um, so it's also figuring out like what connection people to have to your organization specifically. Um, so I think it's also discussing what, how we fit into the overall ecosystem of animal rescue um, and tapping into the people who have that connection with us um, and value what we're doing. 
And and now you come from uh, you you. Uh, before we got on the air, you were saying that you're an English major, which, um, I mean, that obviously fits into literary arts. <laughs> yeah. How does that fit into to um, animal aid? Does it fit into animal aid? It, it actually has in a lot of ways, but I think at the same time um, as my you know educational trajectory and beginning career trajectory was happening um, on the sidelines, my volunteer trajectory was all focused on animal rescue and, and welfare. And so um, that's less visible sometimes, um, even to myself. Um, it was actually a realization for me one day sitting down that like, you know, I was I was thinking a lot about that volunteer work that I was doing and always struggling to have more time to focus on that and feeling that passion. So that was kind of the realization for me of, of how I wanted to shift things. Um, but there's a lot of carryover in terms of the work that I do. You know, one of the hats that I wear is our marketing, is our communications. Um, and that's a lot of those skills um, development as well. You know, just learning how to share our story as an organization um, with others. Uh, let me ask you an English major question. <laughs> okay. uh, there, there's there's a lot of uh, great animals in books. Uh, I don't you know. I've seen Charlotte's Web jumps to mind, mm -hmm. uh, where the red fern grows. Um, do you have a favorite animal in a book? So you know, it's funny you mentioned Charlotte's Web because I think. Children's stories, I was an avid reader um, when I was a kid um, and always loved the stories that focused on animals. And that's one that's very near and dear to my heart. It's hard to actually go back to sometimes because it's such a an emotional, you know, story. Um, but I think that the characters in that, um, Wilbur and Charlotte, you know, and their relationship, that was probably really uh, def subconsciously defining, you know, moment for me. Something that's carried forward into why I do the work that I do. Uh, and do you have a pet? I do. I have um, an almost eight-year-old pit bull lab mix. Nice. Yeah. Uh, his, her name? Echo. Nice. Yeah. I've not heard that <laughs> as, a, as a dog name before. And and, and um, are there truly, I, I think a lot of people often classify the world as dog people or cat people. Fair? I think if you're outside of maybe the animal welfare and rescue work a lot of times and you're a pet owner you might have one or the other um i find in the actual rescue world when you're working with both um that you definitely become a fan of both and appreciation of their different um, personality traits so Paige Osmania is director of operations for animal aid thank you so much for coming in and talking to us thank you for having me As much as I love for you, for you may think my dog will always come true. All he asks from me is the food to give him strength. All he ever needs is love, and that he knows he'll get. So I love the nonprofit happy hours made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, and ideas about the show 
can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. I love my dog as much as I love you. You make things, my dog will always come through. I love my dog, baby.